Well, good morning, everybody. Or even for today, for our very special service, Merry Christmas to you all as well. Uh, we are so glad that you were able to join us today for our, uh, what's going to be an amazing service as we do our lessons and carols. I'm, I'm very happy that we do get to uh, have it, even if it is a little bit later than what we had originally intended. It's just very nice to be able to have this all put together. So I'm excited to see what we have to look forward to today. Uh, we welcome you to Olive Branch once again. If it's your first time with us, or if you are interested in the church, on the back of your bulletin, we have little QR codes where you can get to know us a little bit better and we can get to know you a little bit better. I only have a couple of announcements that I'm going to share with you today. Um, Pastor Wayne is leading a membership information class on Sunday, January 17th, from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. So if you are interested in uh, knowing more about the church or making Olive Branch, uh, your home church, it would be a great opportunity for you to, like I said earlier, get to know us and for us to get to know you. There's a Women on Mission uh, meeting today at 2 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, and I'm going to remind uh, the deacons, too, that there's a deacons meeting tomorrow night that starts at 6 o'clock. We also have YC this Wednesday here in the CLC at 7, and then to remind you all once again, the Sunshine Girls and Boys of Courage 1st uh, through 5th grade class that was meeting on Wednesday night is not going to meet until uh, January 20th. So for YC, I will say for at least the next week or so, if you have uh, some kids that are in YC and you're not really sure what to do with younger kids, um, you can bring them to our class and we'll have them paint the wall or keep them entertained or something, um, just so you do have the opportunity for your older kids to be able to come to uh, YC and join us. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to start our service together. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that we can be in your house, that we can uh, worship you, that we can, can hear the amazing music that we're about to hear. We know that you are the one who has gifted us all of these good things. I pray that you bless the time that we have together today, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to explain today what we will be doing, and... I don't know if you know the difference between uh, NASCAR and the rest of sports. There may be lots of differences, but one thing that's different, NASCAR begins their season with their Super Bowl, so to speak, the Daytona 500. The biggest race of the season is the first race. Most other sports, their biggest game of the season is their last game. It's the championship game. It's the Super Bowl, and it's the last one. Usually at Christmas, we kick off the Christmas season with music and it is sort of like NASCAR. The biggest part of Christmas is the kickoff to Christmas. Well, this year, we're going to be like all the other sports. We're going to end Christmas season with the biggest service of the Christmas season. So think about it that way when we come together this morning and we retell the story of Jesus's life. In his birth, we will hear how from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through the Gospel of Luke how the story was foretold and his coming was foretold. And then hear how Jesus was born. As we hear the scripture, we will also hear music that celebrates Jesus' birth as well. At the end of the service, we will have the Lord's Supper together to continue telling the story of Jesus' life. It was not just a birth in Bethlehem. His life ended at the cross and came back to life and came out of a tomb. So we will tell the whole story of Jesus this morning. I also encourage you as we begin a new year, 2021, to recommit yourself to the Lord, 
We make New Year's resolutions. There's times naturally throughout the year where there's different seasons and we pause, we reflect, we look forward uh, to being a person who is better, a person who is closer to God, a person who is more godly. The first of the year is a perfect time to do that. And so I encourage you, as you listen, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, to take a moment to pause and reflect on last year, think about this coming year, and how you can be a closer follower of Christ in 2021. So that is a lot in this service. I did want to give you a little bit of history about the lessons and carol service. It's a Victorian English tradition, as a lot of our English, uh, Christmas traditions are. Uh, the first service was held in 1880 on Christmas Eve at the cathedral in Toro in Cornwall, England. And the bishop who came up with the idea was Edward Benson. The nine lessons or the nine scripture readings are the one, nine that we will be reading this morning. Uh, of course, the songs are different than what they did in 1880, but we may have a one or two that they also sang then. It has become a great tradition in England and also in other Christian traditions, even here in the U.S. Uh, my favorite time to worship on Christmas Eve was in England one Christmas when we were there visiting Sarah's family, and it was in York, England at the cathedral there. And I got to listen to a lesson and carol service. Uh, can you imagine this? The service, I think, started at 6, and you had to be there by 3 if you even wanted a chance to get into the cathedral to uh, be part of the service. Uh, I say that, that's pretty impressive. But then the next Sunday, you probably could walk in two minutes before the service would start and half the cathedral would be empty. So <laughs> that tells you maybe a little bit about... Uh, uh, I don't know what that tells you, but that's just the truth. So, but anyway, I, uh, I've always wondered what it would be like to uh, be part of a service where you had to show up three hours before just to get a seat. And so maybe that will happen, one of our Easter services or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's a little bit of history of what we're going to do and what the service is about. And so let's begin the story of Jesus in Scripture and in song. And I have the first reading, and it is from Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve have sinned against God, but God tells them and us that there is a plan to redeem humanity. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. So the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head 
and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, from it you are dust, and you will return to that.
And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offering shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you. 
you Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears the son, and the rest of its brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, 
to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 35. Did you 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn.
And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to all men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger.
Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the baby who was, who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When, Herod, when King Herod heard this, he was troubled, as well as all of the people of Jerusalem. Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They answered, In the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet wrote about this in the scriptures. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are important among the tribes of Judah. A ruler will come from you. And who will be like a shepherd for my people Israel? Then Herod had a secret meeting with the wise men and learned from them the exact time they saw the first star. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem saying, look carefully for the child. When you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. After the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They came to the house where the child was and saw him with, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from, John, or from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please join with us on this one. Have you ever tried to read a novel or watch a movie that was so complex in its plot that you couldn't figure it out and you had to wait until the end and in a good novel or a good movie, all is explained in the end and you know how everything fits together. I think that's how it is when we come to the story of Jesus. It's been said that history is his story and I would agree with that. As we read the pages of Scripture, as you have heard this morning read, the Scriptures that tell us the story of Jesus, it begins even before time begins and has an intersection and a raveling and unraveling and pathways that go this way and that until his story is complete. And in fact, the story is continuing because he has not come back yet. And we are not yet in eternity, so the story still is not ended. But we heard this morning how Jesus is God. 
And therefore, he has always existed. There's never been a time when he didn't exist. In fact, he's outside of time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Together in a trinity, in eternity past, and will be forever into eternity future. And so it's not as though God needed to create people because he was lonely. He didn't need to create people to give him anything. God created us. Really, the reason? We don't know. He loves us. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for humanity, for eternity. God had all of that planned, but he didn't need us. He wasn't lonely, but we do know that he loves us, and this is the plan that he came up with. A plan that began with Adam and Eve, a commandment not to eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil, but they disobeyed God, and sin entered the world and changed everything. Death entered the world, evil, animosity, sin. Did you notice when I read how immediately blame started? Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. They were ashamed, they were blaming. Sin had tainted everything. But also, there was a promise right there from the beginning that there was going to be someone born and that serpent was going to strike at his heel, but that heel was going to crush that serpent. And that promise there that long ago is what we heard read and sang in song, how history made all of the turns to make it so. The prophets foretold and gave more information about how this one who would be born would be a ruler, would be a shepherd. Uh, his kingdom would last forever. He would be a prince of peace, eternal father, wonderful counselor. He would bring light in the darkness. He would be born in Bethlehem. There was an anticipation as more and more prophets gave more and more details of this one who would be born. That that curse, that fall that happened in time past, we would be redeemed. Light would overtake the darkness. Good would rule over evil as it would be conquered. And Satan would be destroyed. It would begin the redemption with the birth of a boy. And his birth was announced to his mother, a mother who was a virgin and who could not have a son unless God did the impossible. And he did. And it's a reminder to us always that nothing is impossible with God. We should never forget that. That if a virgin birth can take place, God can do anything. That always gives me comfort in my life, never to think that a problem is too big for God, that what I'm going through in life is too difficult for God, that anything that's happening in this world is beyond his solutions or his sovereignty. And the answer is nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary was chosen and she said that she would be the servant of the Lord. Joseph was also given the news through an angel 
to tell him too that this was of God. And Jesus was born just as prophesied there in Bethlehem, as Micah had said centuries before. And he was born in the most humble circumstances, not in a palace, but in a barn. He didn't have a golden gilded crib to lie in. He had a feeding trough where animal feed had been in there and animal slobber had been in there where they were drinking water. That's where he was laid when he was born. It wasn't the kings and the princes and the emperors that came to see him. It were the lonely, humble shepherds who came and saw him. Yet his birth was announced by the host of heaven that here is the one. Here is the Savior born to you this day in the city of David. It would have been prophesied for centuries. It happened that day. A Savior was born. The wise men came later to worship, to show us that this promise was not just for the Jews, but for all people. And that echoes back to the promise that was made to Abraham, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. Not just one nation, not just the Jews, but all of the world. You know, the story does not end with the wise men bringing their gifts and bowing before the Lord and worshiping him. Of course, Jesus, as any boy does, grows up. We have the amazing story of him in the temple at the age of 12, teaching those who were older than him, who should have known more than him, but he was wiser than they. And then he comes onto the public scene as an adult. John the Baptist telling people he's coming. He's coming. Be ready. Be baptized. Repent. The kingdom is here. And then John baptizes Jesus himself. And there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are again as the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And the Father from heaven says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And there is Jesus being baptized. The official beginning of his ministry. A ministry where the, those despised by society were attracted to him. They were attracted to his grace and his compassion, but they were also attracted to his teaching, his truth. Amazingly, here was one who was full of grace and truth. He didn't water down the truth to accept those who had disobeyed God. He spoke it boldly and spoke it truthfully, yet they were still drawn to him because they saw also in him the grace and compassion of God. The lowly, those who repented, those who realized they were sinners, they came to him. Those who were self-righteous and thought they knew it all, despised him and rejected him. And so Jesus' life was a lonely one. He didn't have a home. He traveled from town to town with disciples who misunderstood him, didn't understand what was going on. One, in fact, betrayed him. A lonely life, yet this was what he came for. Not to be adored as a baby. 
not to grow up to be a king and ruler in that time. But as the angel had said, a savior, that is why he came. And so with his authoritative teaching, with the miracles that he did, of healing those who could not see and those who could not speak, those who could not walk, healing those who had demons in them that had ravished their life. As he calmed the storm, as he raised the dead, with every miracle, with every sermon, he showed that he was the promised Messiah, that he was the Savior. He was that Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Some followed and some believed. Many rejected. The religious leaders especially, jealous of his popularity, jealous of his authoritative teaching when none of them had even taught him one lesson. How dare he say, thus says the Lord. They found an opportunity a disciple of his own, Judas, to betray him. And they seized upon that and arrested him. They had a kangaroo court to trump up charges to give a verdict. Blasphemy. The penalty, death. They said, he's claimed to be God. That can't be true. Of course he claimed to be God because it was true. They could not execute him themselves. So they got Pontius Pilate involved, the Roman official who could execute. They tried to convince him that here was a rebel, here was a criminal, here was one who was trying to overthrow Rome and Pilate wasn't buying it. He could see he was brought to him out of jealousy. Yet Pilate didn't want a riot, didn't want to look weak. So he allowed the crowd to decide. Here is one Barabbas. Here is one Jesus. I'll release one of them to you. A Barabbas, they shouted his name because they wanted him to be released. Of Jesus, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And he was taken and beaten. He was given a cross to carry. He was taken to a place called the skull. He was nailed to a cross between two other thieves, criminals who were being executed. His sentence nailed to that cross with him. King of the Jews. There, Jesus took on the sin of the world. Three hours of darkness. We don't know what happened, but I imagine it was the time where the weight of the sin of me and you and the billions of people of history were put on Jesus because he died in our place and paid for our sins. And the shout of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
came from his mouth as the heaviness of that sin weighed on him. He died on that cross, uttering his last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I imagine Satan thought that it had been done. The Messiah who'd been a baby had grown up and now been killed. Certainly the religious leaders thought it had been done. This guy who was causing all this ruckus, we've killed him. It's over. It's done. Certainly Pontius Pilate thought it's over. I can get back to my life. Even the disciples thought it was over. They had followed a man for three years and now it was all gone. Everyone thought it was over. But it wasn't over. It was just a beginning. Three days later, Jesus came out of that tomb and he proved to all who could see that he is alive. And he still is alive. For 40 days, He walked the earth after his resurrection, proving, showing that he is alive, that he conquered death. And he has offered since that time to everyone, believe in me and you will have eternal life. That is still the story today. That still is the message today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We come to the Lord's table now, the Lord's Supper, and that is the message. Do you hear it? Have you believed? Jesus died on the cross for your sin and he rose again to life and he offers eternal life to all who believe. Believe that he died for you. Believe that he is the Lord. Believe that he rose again to life. Trust in him and him alone. Not yourselves, not a religion, not a way of life, not another person. Trust in him alone and you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. God himself will live in you. When you die, you will immediately be in the presence of the Lord. And you will be with him for eternity. That is the wonderful news, not only of Christmas and Easter that we tell. Every time we tell it at the Lord's Supper, it is the story to be told each and every day. You as I have been moved and we're excited to hear the music, to participate I mean, didn't it get it too pumped up, even though it's after Christmas and it seems like it's out of place? Every time you hear it, it gets you excited. There's a Savior who has been born. Joy to the world. It gets you excited. Well, don't keep it here in the CLC. Don't keep it here in your heart. Go and tell other people about it. Get them excited about it. This is History. This is his story. We have heard the beginning of his story in song and in scripture. Now we are going to partake together of the cup and the bread to tell the sort of end of the story.
As I said, his story continues in my life, in your life, and will for eternity. I want to remind you when we eat the bread, the bread represents Jesus' body. The body that was born in Bethlehem. The body that grew into a man and taught and did miracles and walked this earth. That's the body that also hung on the cross. The body that died. The body that was buried. The body that was resurrected. This is the body of Christ. And the bread we eat represents the body of Christ and all that it means and all that Jesus did. The cup represents his blood. The blood that was shed for our sins. The animals in the Old Testament were killed to cover sin. But we are told that Jesus' blood paid for our sin once and for all. There's no longer a need for any sacrifice. We no longer have an altar where animals are slaughtered because the blood of Christ has paid our sin and redeemed us from the law. That is represented in that cup that we will drink. We are also commanded by the Lord Jesus to eat this bread and to drink this cup. Paul commands us to eat it and to drink it until Jesus comes back. So as we tell the story today, we are supposed to continue telling it until Jesus comes back. This, that's why we tell it over and over each year. That's why we have the Lord's Supper over and over again. It is a story that must be repeated over and over. And we don't stop telling it until the Lord comes back to take us home to be with him. I also remind you every time that we eat and drink the Lord's Supper, today may be the day that Jesus comes back. Are you ready for him to come back today? If you're not ready because you're not a believer yet, right now, believe and you will be saved. If you're not ready because you have been away from the Lord and you'll be caught ashamed, repent this morning. And be right with the Lord. So there will be no shame when the Lord returns. Are you ready? Today may be the day. We're going to take a moment to pray. To prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. Paul warns us not to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. He warns us to examine ourselves. Look at our lives. As I said earlier, beginning of a new year is a perfect time to look and examine who we are, where we are, where we're going, and to seek God so that he can make those changes in our lives that are necessary. So in this moment, I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray and prepare yourself for the Lord's Supper. The deacons will come, and as they are distributing the bread and the cup, pray and prepare yourself before we eat and drink together. I'll remind you again, if you weren't here in September, that you will receive the bread on top of the cup. You'll remove the top layer that will give you the wafer, and then you can move, remove the second layer, and that will give you the cup. 
They are chilled this time, so they'll taste much better. I've tried it, okay? So don't just set it aside or say, I'm going to throw it away later because last time it tasted nasty. I can't say anything better about the bread, but the, the cup tastes much better this time. I'm going to pray. We're going to prepare, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's life, his death, and his resurrection at his table. Lord Jesus, I don't know what else I can say right now other than thank you. Thank you for your birth, your life, your death, your resurrection, and your return. Lord, it has been a blessed morning. It's not only been a time of enjoyment hearing the songs and the different people reading and the scripture, but it's been a reminder, Lord, of who we are. We are your children. We are saved by your grace and by the blood that you shed on the cross. So this morning, Lord, right now, as we come to your table, I can't say anything else, but Lord, I know I can do this. I can prepare my heart. And I pray that my brothers and sisters right now would prepare theirs too. They would repent of sin in their life now, that they would recommit their life to you as we should each and every day. I pray, Lord, that we would take up our cross and follow you daily. So, Lord, in this moment, meet us. In this moment, change us. In this moment, may we be ready to meet you. And I pray, Jesus, in your most precious name, Amen.
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I encourage you to Eat and drink, even if you're still trying to take the wrapper off. As I heard all the wrappers crinkling, I wondered if the disciples in heaven are chuckling, saying that is not how it was, and maybe sympathizing with us in this pandemic, that this is how we have to do it now. I wanted to say thank you to all the musicians, to all of our readers. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for what you did this morning. Thank you, Jan, for putting it together. Yes. As you know, traditionally we have a cantata. And that was impossible this year. We cannot have choir. And so Jan uh, decided, wonderful idea, to have different ensembles of musicians and singers rather than a choir and to have a lessons and carol service. So I give her all the credit for that. That was her idea and a wonderful idea. So yes, applaud again. And as you also know, this was scheduled for December the 16th. As I said earlier, to kick off the Christmas season, well, we've had it January 10th to end the Christmas season. And it is just as appropriate and just as enjoyable today as it would have been on the 16th. So I'm glad that we have had it, that you have been with us. I am going to say one last prayer as a prayer of dismissal and as we go into our week. Father, bless us with your peace, with your love, with your joy as we go into this week to serve you and to serve others. Dismiss us now as we pray Jesus in your name. Amen.